0: we have to give bad news a lot as product managers and so figuring out how to do that in in an effective way is pretty useful. Let's just talk about the types of things that we have to face as product managers in terms of the types of bad news that we often have to deal with. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the All the Responsibility, None of the Authority podcast with your host, Nels Davis. Today's topic is about how to deliver bad news more effectively and hopefully not get fired. If you like this podcast, please like it and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to get your comments. You can go to alltheresponsibility.com slash 303. This is show number 303 to see show notes and also to leave me comments. You can leave me a voice comment or you can just type it in and I look forward to those and uh, hope you enjoy the topic today. Have you ever had to tell a customer that the feature they wanted isn't going to come, that they aren't going to get it or it's going to be late? Have you ever had to tell your executive team that the release that you thought you'd get out this quarter is not coming until next quarter? Well, as product managers, we're always delivering bad news like that. It's just part of the job because we're doing so much innovative stuff that we're often running right at the edge of the things we can predict. I'm going to give you some tips and tricks on how to handle those situations better. How to deliver bad news. It's something that um, came up in a conversation I had, well, quite a while ago with uh, Christine Luke, who's a product manager who I know and I've known for quite a long time. And we were talking about the things that she felt she would like to learn in in a product, if there was a product management course, what are some of the things that she felt she'd like to learn? And she'd been to a few. She went to the, I think, the general assembly course. She'd read read a lot of books and things like that. And she said that one of the topics that didn't really get covered that I think is pretty interesting, and and of course it's important because we have to do it all the time, is this idea of how to give bad news. So we have to give bad news a lot as product managers. And so figuring out how to do that in in an effective way is pretty useful. Let's just talk about the types of things that we have to face as product managers in terms of the types of bad news that we often have to deal with. So typically, the types of bad news that we have to deliver are things like, we're not going to deliver your feature, it's going to be late, the, the thing you built is not good. We might have to talk to the sales organization and tell them that they're, they're not building things or they're not selling the thing right. We might have to tell the executive team that the product isn't selling well or that maybe the product can't be sold. We often have to tell customers that we're going to end of life the product that they have used for a long time and love. So those are the types of bad news that we often have to tell. And this is in contrast to things that some managers have to do. You know, we don't have to typically give that message of you're fired or I'm going to have to let you go or you're not going to get that promotion. That's sometimes as product managers, we are managers of other people, but I'm really talking more about the types of things that we have to the messages we have to deliver as I guess what you call staff product managers. That's all the topic of how to fire someone, lay them off, tell them they're not getting a promotion certainly related to the things I'm talking about today in terms of the types of bad news we have to give, but also different. One of the big reasons is the fact is that there are some realities about giving bad news, and there are some realities about the types of bad news that we end up delivering. The bad news that we're giving is still bad news. There's no way to get around the fact that people are going to be disappointed, they might be angry, a release not going out on time. You know, they may Consider that a really significant business problem. We often will have to take the risk of the thing that we're talking to people about is going to be, uh, you know, something that people are are very upset about. The chances are that you won't be fired for delivering this kind of bad news, but it's not out of the question. You might you might still be fired. Uh, typically, in my experience, I've never been fired for delivering bad news. Um, you know, I've had to li- deliver plenty of bad news in the past, and so. I don't think that that's a big risk. But, you know, it's still bad news, as I say, and so it can always impact you in some, in some bad way if you have to deliver it. And so that's one of the reasons that's actually really important to understand how to deliver bad news better. You know, if you can think about the idea of, and I'll talk about this in a bit, having your customer or the person you're delivering bad news to might be an executive. If, if it's something you're worried about being fired about, it's likely to be an executive. So if you can give them the idea that, the decision to delay a release for example is their idea or that they come up with it or that they they justify it that's often something that will help you keep your own job so that's always a good thing to think about normally the types of decisions that we have to make whether they're bad or good we have good reasons behind them right so it's not like we're just saying randomly there's something, a bad. we have to make a bad decision. Our reasons for the various types of things that we are having to tell bad news about, there's good reasons behind what we have to tell about the decision. So, you know, if the product isn't selling, right? Even Even in the case where the product isn't selling and the bad news you have to deliver is we can't sell this product, that is usually because there's some good reason, like nobody needs this product or something like that. Now, that may reflect that there were bad decisions made in the past and you have to figure out what to do about that. But the fact is, if you can't sell the product, you can't sell the product. It doesn't matter if you say that you can and you can't, you still can't. <laughs> Reality wins in a lot of these cases. So, and there can be different reasons for these types of things happening. Like if if you can't sell your product, maybe nobody needs it, Or but maybe the sales organization's not doing a good job of presenting it. Now that's often... The fault of the product management organization, or the product management organization can help with that. But you know, the story that the the bad news may be, you know what, our sales organization is not ca- effectively selling our product. But here's a solution that we think we can apply to help improve that, and, or the marketing organization's not getting the right leads. All those types of things. I've talked a lot about that specific problem in, in other videos. The, on the other hand, the 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 reasons that we have for making this decision or for giving the bad news. They're often not comforting in themselves. They're rational. And so you need you often need some emotional heft to add to the story as well. And so that's something that we're going to uh, talk briefly about in a minute about how to add some emotional uh, heft. And there's also situations where you can sometimes get the other person, as I mentioned, to make that decision for you. Now, if you can get the other person to make the decision for you, that often is the best way to, to handle bad news. For example, if you have a customer, and I've talked about this in a, I think I have a blog post on this. I'll put a link in the show notes. If you have a customer that's requested a feature and you don't think the feature is a good idea for good reasons, you can often talk that customer. You can often have a conversation with that customer where at the end of the conversation, they say, you know what? I thought that was a good idea, that feature. And now I don't think it is. So please don't do it. That's an ideal outcome, obviously. Now, not all features that customers ask for are bad ideas. Some of them are good ideas and you just don't have time to do them. You know, one thing I always say is that it doesn't matter what your backlog looks like. It only has high priority items in it. Typically, in, in my, I've learned in my own practice of product management, nothing gets, even gets on my backlog to be prioritized unless it's high priority. Because the things that aren't high priority, I don't even bother to write down typically. And so... My back. My process of prioritization is always, well, What of all the super high-priority things I could do, all the things that are really valuable that would benefit some customers, of all the hundreds of those, which of the 10 I can deliver this year, or whatever number it is, right, depending on your, on your ability to deliver and how big they are. That's something to think about. So those are some of the realities that we have to talk about. Now, let's talk about the things to consider when you're giving bad news. And I've sort of touched on some of these as we've gone through. But... One of them is to give a more emotionally comforting story. And some of the ways you can do that is to actually tell stories. And I've talked about in other videos how to tell stories effectively. And stories typically have a situation where there's a problem, there's some kind of a solution either attempted or achieved, and then there's some results. And so you can think about different ways of using storytelling approaches to help people come along with you on a decision that is that is bad or some bad, what turns into bad news. So for example, I recently talked to someone who had a, they had done a lot of work on a particular new feature. It was a replacement for an old feature. They'd done a lot of work on it, but when they started to do user acceptance testing, they found there was a big problem. They sort of hadn't fully understood the requirements correctly for a particular group of users who were very important. And so as they were testing this with these users, they found out there was this big problem. So there there are two things they could have done. This was right when it was ready to be released. They were ready to release it at this point. And so they could have done two things. They could have said, well, we're going to release it with this big problem, but we're going to make a bunch of important users really unhappy. Or we could fix the problem, r- rewind a little bit, address the requirement that we forgot about or that we didn't understand correctly, wait to release it until we had that fixed done. So those were the options that these people had. And so... The decision was made to, this person made the decision to delay. That was the decision that he recommended. And so, how did he do that? Well, he reminded the executive leadership team that had to approve this what was at stake here, right? Some very critical customers, some very critical users who were going to be really disappointed with this change from the way it used to work to the way it worked now. And now, sometimes, making a change is good but in this case it was it was clearly the change that was made was not nobody was going to get a benefit out of this it was it was it was a decision that was made kind of poorly in the past over a year ago the what this person did and I the way that I guided them was they I, I wanted them to really explain and show the story of how this feature fit into the product and the introduction and the onboarding of the client this was an onboarding related change, and how that essentially became the first impression for the client of the company. And if that went badly, then that would probably redound throughout the whole experience of that customer, right? We know that that the onboarding experience for a customer has a really big, important impact, particularly in the early days, on things like the net promoter score. So basically told a story about how this was going to cause these problems, with things like net promoter score and the executive team said, well, I think we need to delay. They came to the conclusion of this product manager based on a story that the product manager told about the impact of the challenge. And so this was, of course, what the product manager had intended for them to do, but it was sort of a joint decision at that point. And so that's an example of how to take a story, use a story to help get the Decision or the bad news to turn into a, a joint decision. So that's one, I guess that's a way to say this. Use a story to tell, help turn bad news, what was bad news, into a joint decision about the right way to go forward. Another way, thing you can do is often you can find a silver lining in the act of making, of delivering some bad news. And so just for an example, if you have a customer that wants a particular feature, you've determined that even though that's a really valuable feature, it's too expensive to implement. If you can, you can talk to the customer about this and sometimes you can say, well, you know, as a result, because we're not doing this feature that you really want, we actually are going to do another feature that you also really want, but is less expensive. So there, so there is going to be some good coming out of that. And then, and then if you can wrap that around some ideas like, well, let me help you figure out a way to get around the fact that the feature that you want isn't going to be in there. Right? So maybe there's a partner that they can work with, or maybe we can give them a, te- a technique to get around that issue. Those are some things that I've done as well in the past. I've I've had to tell a customer we weren't going to do their feature, but I've given them ways to work around that, to ameliorate it, or told them stories of how other customers who originally wanted that feature were able to continue using our product even without that feature in it, things like that. So... That's, an, that's another example. It's sort of an example of finding a silver lining. Now, one of the things that you're off, often going to know is you're going to know in advance, oftentimes, that there's a problem. Now, in the case that I just ex- gave the example of the feature that had to be delayed and, and we had the story about the onboarding and all that, that actually was not known in advance. We did not find out the, the, or the, the product manager didn't find out the problem with, that, with those requirements until we started doing user acceptance testing. So we didn't have any time to prep uh, in advance on that story. So that's an example of a situation where you don't have time to prep. But oftentimes you do. And if you have time to prep, if you know what's coming down the road, then you can often start to lay some groundwork, right? If you know, for example, that a feature that you had intended to deliver in the next quarter is going to slip into the following quarter because it turns out to be too hard or you didn't understand the requirements correctly. If you know that early, you want to start laying that groundwork, and that obviously is a way to help mitigate the the need to deliver bad news. It's still going to be bad news, but you can have a story about it and you can go through and you can maybe help, like the executive leadership team again, understand the impacts of the change and the, and the way that you're sort of discovering new requirements or how important some requirements are that were missed or whatever the whatever the case might be. Or just discovering how complicated the solution is to implement. Right? A lot of times and now I've I've worked a lot on software that's that has been relatively long in the tooth, right? That's been around for a while. And oftentimes that means that making the types of changes that would be easy for a startup to do are hard for us. And that's because either the technology's a little bit crufty, and it got a lot of sort of warts grown on it. Uh, or, But it also has to do with the fact that by the time your product has been out for a few versions, the, the level of rough edges that your customers will accept goes way down, right? So they expect a much better amount of polish. And so the same change that would take a, a, a small company or someone with a new product a relatively short amount of time actually takes a lot longer time because there's a lot more polishing that has to be done. And typically there's a lot more components that have to be considered as well. So there's a lot more connections that all have to be managed correctly. And so that's just a cost of having a mature product is it is more costly to make the same change than in an immature product. On the other hand, typically you hopefully have a lot more customers and things like that. So the changes are, have commensurate value if you can do that. So another thing to think about is to how do you, can you take mitigating actions in the meantime? One of the examples I, I like to give is, if say you have a big important feature coming up that, that, that people want, something that's gonna make a big difference on the, on the sales side, for example, on the revenue side, but you just can't deliver it very quickly. Maybe it's gonna take you three quarters to deliver, and you wanna start getting an impact from that in, uh, in the next quarter. So what do you do? Well, oftentimes, not always, let me say sometimes i don't know often or sometimes depends on your product and what the what the feature is but you can sometimes deliver a slim down version of that feature early get people on board with it and then continue building it out over over time now there's a couple of benefits to doing it if you can do it this way one is obviously if you the sooner you get something out and into the market and you start getting feedback on it the better you can make it over time because you're basing the changes you're making on actual customer feedback. And that's often the most valuable type of feedback to get. So that's one thing you can do. The other thing, you do have to think about what I just mentioned, which is the fact that if you have a mature product, there's lots of connections. And so you may have to, when you build this slim down new component, you may have to consider how you're going to stub off some of those connections. I call it stubbing off. So that, you know, even though you you may say well the w- if the way you use the product is xyz then this slim down feature will work for you however if you if you often use this other feature we haven't connected those yet so we don't recommend you moving to that yet and so those are the sorts of things that you can think about when you're doing this mitigation type of steps so those are some of the things to consider some of the ways to handle delivering bad news and i think there's there's a lot more as well so let me let me move on now the biggest the biggest problem that we have giving bad news is we can't deliver a feature or we're gonna be late with the release. Those are, those are typical things that we are challenged with all the time. But there's other things that, that you know, and there's a, very, a variety of reasons. So I, this is just a slide of various reasons why we're, we end up not being able to deliver a feature on time or, or at all. Sometimes, sometimes it's too big to achieve, or sometimes there's other unplanned things that were thrown in. This is actually really common. Uh, we didn't get the requirements in time. And obviously that's often a product management problem right, if you can't get the requirements in time, but sometimes you're prevented from getting requirements. Or um, uh, more likely, the original requirements were wrong. This has happened to me multiple times when I've come into a new product or come into a product and I found the, pro- the requirements are not complete or they're not doing a good job of representing the customer's problem. That goes all the way back to all the, whenever I talk about finding market problems and validating them, this is really important if you want to have good requirements. Um, sometimes the team didn't do a good job of building now, oftentimes, that is again, that's not because they're bad. Usually, it's because they're either not managed well, or, or it often is that there's lots of conflicting things going on, or they're they're they take their eye off the ball. But there's other kinds of things that can go wrong, where the team just doesn't deliver very well. Sometimes somebody got sick, you know, et cetera. There's a bunch of things that that all can contribute to not delivering a feature. There are some that are specific. The three biggest delays are really the most important one and the biggest one in my experience is this changing priorities problem where the executive team asks for bluebird things or they talk to a customer and the customer says, I really need this thing. And so then they respond by promising to deliver that. And then the team has to be taken off the other thing that they are working on. And, you know, that's not good for engineers to have to change their focus like that. And then we have to work on that thing. And then we maybe also they... They say, "Well, just fit this one little thing in, and then everything goes to heck in a handbasket." At that point, Um, so unplanned interruptions and and the resources of the team being distracted into other things. The other big problem is that the requirements original requirements are wrong, particularly if they're coming from the top, so to speak, from an idea, from the executive leadership team, or it could be anybody. It could be your own idea, but if it's not followed up, if that idea is not followed up by by a bunch of sort of validation in the market to make sure that the idea represents a problem that needs to be solved and that customers will be excited about. If you just start building on building something based on the idea, then you start doing some testing and you find out oh, that's totally wrong. That means your requirements were wrong in the in the first place and that you have to redo them and you maybe the work that you already did it has to be thrown away or has to be redone and that's always a, cor- a source of that can often be a source of delay. And then sometimes the the original feature is just too big and you have to either break it down into sub components or deliver it over a longer period of time. Those are the things that I've seen as the most common. Now, again, I talked about several different ways to handle these types of situations, right? Because each of those is going to turn into bad news (laughs) that you're going to have to deliver back to the executives or to whoever is to your manager or whatever it might be. Each of those things are going to turn into, into bad news. And so you can use some of the techniques that I talked about earlier to figure out how to tell that story effectively, how to help the executive leadership team understand. And you can even use some of this knowledge to go even back further in time so that you maybe can mitigate the fact that these could cause bad problems from the beginning, right? So if you're in a situation where you often get bluebirds and things from the executive leadership team, Maybe you can, one of the things you can do is mitigate and go back and back and do the thing that Rich Mironoff always talks about, which is to say that whenever you add something to the, ba- to the current sprint or to the, the, the roadmap, you have to remove something of equal size from the roadmap or move it out into the future. And he says this is just a thing you need to train your executives to understand. And you always have to make that point as the product manager. And of course, that's your role. Part of your role as a product manager is to make that point. There's no free lunch, even if you're an executive. Um, in terms of the original requirements problem, obviously the way you mitigate that is before you start building anything, you make sure you've done validation or you make sure that there's been validation done on the requirements before you start to build anything because it's much more expensive to make those changes after you've built something than, than before, even if you have to delay the team in the proce- while you're waiting to, to clarify what the requirements should be. And then if the feature is just too big, Well, that has to do with how well your team understands how much it can deliver. It also has to do with how well you can subdivide or partition the feature into subcomponents that can be delivered in chunks. Um, That helps in two ways. One is it helps you deliver something of value faster. If you can get into smaller pieces, the other is that it's a little easier to see how much work something is. If you have a big thing, and you say, "Oh, that's that's a that's an extra extra large T-shirt size," and then you divide it into six things, three of which are large and three of which are medium. You say, "Well, you know what? I think that's actually more than an extra large. That's an extra extra large." Once you combine them all, and then you can maybe prioritize the the individual pieces and say, "We're going to deliver one of the larges in this quarter, one of the larges in the next quarter, and so on." So that's the type of thing that you can do to mitigate. So. That's it for this episode of the podcast. If you like this topic, please click like on the show uh, and whatever your podcast device is. And if you want to hear more like this, I'd love to have you subscribe, whether it's on iTunes or another podcatcher. And of course, I'd love to get your comments. So you can go give me comments on the show at alltheresponsibility.com slash 303. This is show number 303, and I look forward to seeing your comments and responding to them and to talking to you next time. Bye-bye. Fire. Four, three, two. One. We have ignition.